This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. The matchups, the superstars, the games. Starting defense, place at the table. What? This is Football Sunday on The Fan, a comprehensive look at today's National Football League action with your hosts, Mike Lynch and Rashad Taylor. You all know what you have to do. Remember, no one, and I mean no one, comes into our house and pushes us around. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Look, we had the best plan for all you Blazer fans out there, to help you cope with this loss, and that was to talk about football all day. <laughs> yeah, like, we're not even going to touch it. Like, we were all just so depressed, and we said, man, you know what? Screw it. Football Sunday. Cue it up, Joe. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Joe is in today instead of Jesse, and he picked the wrong open, but that's all good. I actually have missed this open a little bit. I do love when it's football Sunday season. This is Sports Sunday today, and don't worry. We will talk about the Blazers as much as... Unfortunately, we will Well, talk it's not about unfortunate. I think... I'm, I think this is a as good a time of, as any to talk about the loss, to dissect what needs to happen moving forward, place blame if you want, vent if you want, all those various things. Uh, if you're a listener, text in, fan text line 55305. You, vent, you can vent, Joe can vent, I can vent. It's just kind of a, it's a good place and a good time to be an op- have an open forum of Holy this crap, this, this three seed place. just got swept by the Pelicans in the first round, and each know. game got uglier and uglier and uglier. The draft is on Thursday. You sure we can't talk about that? No? I'm sure, Joe. No? Not I'm at sure. all? Maybe a little bit. I mean, we'll touch on it. Maybe. You know. Maybe. Look, last week, we had one game to talk about, and we took we spent an hour and 20 minutes on the Blazers. Now we have a whole off-season, season, postseason sweep to talk about. I have a feeling we're going to be spending a lot of time on the Blazers That's, that's a cuss word, man. That's a five-letter cuss word. Sweep. Are you serious? Like A three-seed being swept by a six-seed. I believe I saw Sprague tweet this out. Last time a three was swept by a six was in like the 80s or 90s or something. So it's been a while. Congratulations, Blazers. Way, way to break the cycle. Actually, no. Or last time they were down 3-0 was in the 80s, and then the last time they were swept was even further beyond that. From so. what I saw on the tweets, it was this is the f- uh, lowest seed ever to sweep a three seed, or vice versa, Low- lowest seed to completely sweep, highest seed to get swept, something of that variation. Yeah, it's not pretty, and uh, we got a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff to get to. Um, so text the fan text line 55305. And uh, you can find us on Twitter at 1080thefan, at Mike Lynch 27 at TaylorMade503, and Joe is at JoeFish3, F-I-S-C-H-3. Uh, Joe will be doing Hater to Love It today. It'll be a – we get to see how he awards points because we know Jesse is a – Very a, liberal. Is a very liberal point awarder and uh, sometimes questionable in my opinion, <laughs> especially can, when Rashad – I can see that. What a uh, – see, that's hate. <laughs> that's hate. That's hate. That's salt. Um, it is salt. You win a lot. But um, – We'll see how Joe awards points. That's coming up at 10.30. So that'll be non-Blazer related, unless he has a Blazer question in there, of course. Um, and then we'll have some fun 
here and there as well as long as stuff is popping up. But uh, oh, and also today is uh, clean out your locker day for the Blazers or exit interview day for the Blazers, which starts at ten. So if we can find a feed of those interviews, we will play them for you or some of them for you in the second hour. So keep an ear out for that. We'll let you know. We'll keep an eye out on the uh, on the various TV channels and websites and see if we can grab it. Um, if not, we'll have the audio for you throughout the week, but uh, we'll try to get it for you immediately as long as it's uh, going on right at 10, as they said it would. Um, but where do you want to start? I kind of want, I, I don't want to really bandy about too much. I don't want to, I don't want to do the fluff first segment like normal because we just, there's just it's too brutal. much to talk about, man. Like, it, 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 no. I mean, first off, we should probably start here. Man, congratulations to the Pelicans. Like, the, the Pelicans came out and they played their ass off. They, they hustled. They were just tougher. They were quicker to every loose ball. They made every open shot. Rondo looked like Rajon Rondo from Boston back in 2008. Like, this was just, I don't think anybody was expecting them to play this well. It was Blazers in six. I don't think I spoke to anybody that said Pelicans in seven or Pelicans in six. Blazers are supposed to win this series in six games. So for the Pelicans to come out and and do what they did, man, if you didn't know Alvin Gentry was a good coach, man, I, I guess you know now because he just flat out outcoached Terry Stotts for four straight games in your house, at his house. I own you. And that's exactly kind of what he did. And, man, you got to give credit to where, where, where credit is due. And really, it, it's due in, in, at this moment because the Pelicans, I guess- man, were, were just better flat out. I guess that's a good place to start before we dive into the negatives of it. I mean, it's all negative, but you're right. Give credit to the Pelicans. That is a team that I didn't respect enough. That was the team that I wanted the Blazers to play. Out of all the teams in the playoffs, the team I thought the Blazers had the best chance of beating was the Pelicans. And it was very simple to me. It was Anthony Davis and everybody else, which I was very wrong about. And in my mind, I said, if you let Anthony Davis get his and you stop the rest of their team, you should be able to win most of the games. In the series. To be fair, I think we were all wrong about that, though. Like, right. I'm just the same thing. That was what my initial thought process was. They're not a very good defensive team where they weren't in the regular season. Again, this is going back, not not after the series. I, I know how good of a defensive team they are now when they put the effort in. But uh, my thought was they don't have a very good def- defense. They have inconsistent guard play. And the only good player they have is Anthony Davis or great player they have is Anthony Davis. And I went. You could outduel a 35-point game every night from Anthony Davis if the rest of the team is as inconsistent as it was during the regular season. Uh, turns out that Drew Holiday probably was the best player in the series, uh, even though Anthony Davis put up all the numbers of the world. Drew Holiday, to me, was, was the number one guy in the series just for how he impacted the games on both sides. R- Rajon Rondo is playoff Rondo, and we forget about that until he's in the playoffs, and then he's unbelievable. To, to just not to cut you off, Lynch, but do we remember last year when Boston, or excuse me, when uh, Chicago was up 2-0 in the in the playoffs, and Rondo got hurt as the eight seed, as the eight seed, and Rondo went down, and then they proceeded to lose every game from there. So Rondo is that important to every team he plays for. Um, and then you have a bevy of three point shooters: Etwan Moore, Darius Miller. And, oh, yeah, the blazer killer, Ian Clark, who I didn't even know was on the Pelicans before the series started. And I see him come into game one, and I'm like, oh, crap. He destroyed the Blazers when he was on the Warriors. And what did he do in this series? He hit all, almost all of his shots. Every one of his shots. He was unbelievable. Um, and then, of course, defensively, they were they – were, I don't think I've ever seen defense that good 
in an NBA playoff game, even from the best teams in the finals. It was such passionate, energy-filled, correct, well-played defense, and I was completely blown away by it. So you're right. Hats off to the Pelicans. They deserve to sweep. And frankly, if Steph Curry doesn't show up in, in Series 2 against the for the Warriors, I think Pelicans can give them a run. Oh, I yeah. don't know if they're going to win the series, but if they can keep the defense up to that standard without Steph on the court and Anthony Davis keeps putting up 35, and honestly, the Warriors have the worst possible matchup for Anthony Davis in, in terms of for them. Mm-hmm. It's the best matchup for Anthony Davis because they don't really have bigs. So Davis can just do what he wants on the inside and, and you know, take some shots on the outside, get plenty of dunks and lobs and putbacks. And I don't know if the Warriors have much to stop him in that sense. I think that would be a really, really, really interesting series coming up. But, man, give him credit. I, mean, I, I don't know. I think you have to. Just every, everybody on their team, every single game, Miritich came to play. Like, I didn't that's even a, mention Miritich. Man, and he, he was somebody yeah. that if you didn't remember, you know, how good he was when he played in Chicago, you know, now you know. Like some guys just need a change of scenery, a change of venue. Um, he only had ten yesterday, but his impact was crazy. He had thirty in game in game three, seventeen in game two. He got better and better and better as the series progressed. And it's hard to stop a six ten, basically wing. You know that that he was just pulling up with hands in his face. Didn't matter. He had a rainbow three that was just gorgeous, and it did it with a hand in his face. It was like he had man, so many of those where. It, because after the first game, the Blazers learned their lesson and started guarding him at like really tight. And it didn't matter. Didn't matter. The second he caught the ball, it was in the air. Get buckets. It was an Al Farouk Aminu arcing three, but it was a lot prettier and it went in a lot more. <laughs> it, it really makes you think of how scary this team actually would have been had Boogie played. You know, if Miritich, who's also one of their bigs, is pulling up for threes like that, and Anthony Davis is pulling up for threes, and Boogie is pulling up for threes, and they're making them, but they're also beating you up inside. Like, I. This is why I was saying when Boogie got traded there, this was huge for New Orleans because honestly, in a three-pointing shoot, three-point shooting league, man, who can match up with that? But they kind of played better when DeMarcus Cousins got hurt. Yeah, well, Remember I mean, they were out of the playoffs and then they got all the way up to the 6 seed. And that's that's an interesting thing too and we're not going to break that down today because honestly, this is as much love we're going to give the Pelicans uh in this before we go to the Blazers, but the the DeMarcus Cousins Anthony Davis coexisting is almost the same problem in my mind as the Dame CJ coexisting. They're very similar size players who should both probably be playing the center position. And that forces Davis out to the four, which means he's shooting a lot more. But Davis is so much better when he's inside. Obviously, he's a great shooter too, but he's so much better when he's inside as evidence in this series with his lobs and his putbacks and his ability to post up on anybody and, and all that kind of stuff. I think if you force him out and you make DeMarcus Cousins the inside, now I'm not saying it's they're a bad team, obviously, but they were they were not that good. They were struggling. They were they were a middling team. They were the eight nine range or the ten range. And then all of a sudden he goes down and it opens the entire team up again. They were look, that is one thing I, I will say that I was shocked by. And it's just because I haven't watched the Pelicans that much this year. Their pace is insane. Oh, it's really fast. They are just up and down the floor like banshees. And with DeMarcus Cousins, I don't think that's the same pace. Because you have Anthony Davis, who's uber-athletic and used to play guard, so he can even dribble the ball up if you want, if it's in a, in a really quick situation. You just go. And the Blazers, had no, they could not get back to stop it at all. No, no. And that's really start to show where the holes, all the holes for the Blazers were. Um, people have been thinking I'm a hater. I've just been saying what's 
what was blatantly obvious for these past four games. So this text says Cousins getting hurt was a blessing in disguise. It brought the Meritage too. It did. Without that, they wouldn't have had Meritage because they traded for him to help fill the void, and uh, worked worked yeah, out well for him because Meritage really well. is a good player. Remember, he just was stuck Buried in, in Chicago. Chicago. We have another text here that says he had uh, the fight with. Uh, uh, Portis, what's yeah. his name? Speaking of Chicago, Bobby uh, Portis. Thank so you. Rondo is a clubhouse cancer, right? Dallas, Sacramento, Boston, all agree he's real bad on your team. And amen. Like Rondo went down last year, like I said, in Chicago, when he was playing for Chicago, and Chicago went down the, the toilet. Well, maybe he's a clubhouse he cancer in uh, in bad teams for bad teams on the regular season, and then playoffs start and he turns to a yeah. different did level. You, did you guys see Rondo's quote on why he went to New Orleans? No. Uh, he said that AD, Boogie, and Drew Holiday was the best big three in the league and that if he went there, there's no, no reason why they couldn't play as good as they have. Yeah. So, Hindsight's twenty twenty. Well, and I guess the Pelicans, they don't need DeMarcus Cousins, so, you know, send him on over to Portland if you'd like. <laughs> yeah, everybody's talking uh, real greasy about DeMarcus, but if he's on the market and he comes to Portland, there will be a lot of Cousins jerseys sold oh, within yeah, a matter yeah. of hours. For sure, yeah. for sure. Hours. I'm just saying I think that they turned into a much more efficient well-rounded team when Cousins went down just because it well much like there's a lot of guys who want theirs it kind of stop it stops the offense from moving well and like much like Nurk you know Cousins isn't a run up and down the floor you know type of guy like he's I mean he's a little more lumbering than somebody like AD you know who can just fly up and down the floor like Cousins definitely slows your game down much like the Blazers are slowed down when uh when when Ed Davis and Collins are on the floor as opposed to when Nurk is on the floor things are a lot slower all right, let's get into the Blazer stuff uh, starting next. Let's start with just why they got swept in such embarrassing fashion. The reasons why it happened, and then we'll move on to who to blame and what's going on moving forward and all the other stuff that you guys want to talk about. But let's just start with why. That's next here on Sports Sunday on The Fan. <laughs> Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Nine eighteen here on your Sunday morning. Mike and Rashad with you till eleven a.m. Joe Fish here behind the glass with us today, taking over for Jesse, who's out doing Jesse things. I guess I actually don't know where he went, but yeah, he uh, said he was leaving. I can't remember. I'm I forget what he said. Where he said he was going. I don't know. Probably, he's like playing beach volleyball or that's it or water polo. You know, yeah, that's yeah, his, that's his like go-to. That. Um, he hasn't missed him many Sundays recently, so give him give him the day off. Let's uh, we got lots of stuff to talk about with the Blazers. Don't worry, we will get to who to blame if you'd like to blame someone. We will get to our opinions of the things that need to be done moving forward this off season and then the next year or two. But I want to start small, and I want to start with this series in particular, and just try to unpack the sweep. We, there's there's very obvious reasons why they got swept, but to me, the most the most startling thing about this whole series, the thing that shocked me the most, was the fact that the Blazers quit. They showed minimal effort, and if they did show effort, it was for the the shortest spurts in the game possible. Game one. They get beaten up, down 19. They show effort. They come back in the game, probably should have won, like we talked about last week. They did not. They lost. Game two, that's the game where you're going, you got to win at home. 
can't get home court advantage and you can't lose it completely. They already lost it. You can't lose both games. They showed some effort early, but the Pelicans wanted it more. And it was a close game. But throughout that entire game, what was the difference, especially at the end? The Pelicans dove for loose balls. They made the 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 dirty plays. Even Lillard said at the end, they're playing grimier than us, which is a great word to use. They were. They were doing the, the lunch pail and hard hat basketball that wins in the playoffs if you're not as talented as, say, the Warriors or the Rockets, etc. Um, then game three is the literal must win. You cannot go down 3-0. You can't do it. And the Blazers came out flatter than flat. They got stomped into the ground. And they didn't even, that was the game they quit. They didn't even put effort in. They didn't even swing. Like, no, they, they, get beat they, up. At they least did swing. Back. They swung in the first three minutes and they went up 4 nothing or 2 nothing or whatever. They had some good possessions. And then the Pelicans went, ha cute. And they just shoved them into the ground. And then game four happened last night. And they showed effort, quote unquote. But what I'm calling it is fake tough guyness. They started pushing people. Zach Collins pushed Rondo. CJ hard fouled Etwan Moore, and it was like you guys are just being fake tough guys. They try to line like, dirty. They bore. They were borderline yeah, dirty. on cheap and dirty. Yeah, borderline. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you didn't see the Jason Quick uh, CJ McCollum Twitter beef, you should check that out on the Twitter. It is interesting. Um, but the they went fake tough guy. And that's not any way to get effort because you're trying to manufacture effort from anger from like for fake pushes. Like what is that? You should you should be angry already that the Pelicans have embarrassed you like that. You shouldn't need to manufacture it by trying to create some scuffles on the court. That kind of frustrated me. It was like, "Oh, we're going to play we're, they're going to see the energy now. They're going to see that we're just, we're not going to get embarrassed." Dude, it's even more embarrassing doing that and losing than if you actually just put effort in from the beginning. And I, I, it baffles me because I, I don't want to say that they didn't try to put effort in because obviously they did. It's the playoffs. They weren't just coasting, except for maybe in game three where it kind of felt like they were. But the Pelicans just wanted it more. They wanted it 500 times more because the effort you put out was, was invisible compared to what the Pelicans were doing. Their defense never let up. Remember after game one, we were like, that defense can't stick for the whole time, right? They can't keep guarding Damian Lillard two or two to three people at a time and get away with it. Or they can't, they're not going to keep being this uh, annoying on defense, I guess, for lack of a better term, aggressive on defense. Oh no, they were the whole series. They didn't stop. They had like maybe three or four possessions a game where they lapsed, but they didn't stop. It didn't end. And because of that, it made whatever effort the Blazers even tried to put forth invisible because they just didn't want it as much. The Pelicans wanted it more. It's just that simple. The Pelicans, they bullied the Blazers. And the one bad thing about getting beat up by a bully is probably you got to see them quite often sometimes. And the Blazers got beat up four straight times by the bully. And at some time, they didn't look like they wanted to fight. <laughs> just They just, man, here's my lunch money. Just kind of take it. And that's what we saw in game three. Man, here's my lunch money. I'm tired of getting beat up, bro. Just just take it and, and keep it moving. I'm sorry, Anthony Davis. You're right, guys. I'm soft. The, the, and I hate using the word soft to describe professional athletes just because I don't I don't know if it's all the way fair considering all the the grind and preparation that they have to go through every single day to be considered the best in the world at what they do but this was uh I, I don't I don't know there was no heart there 
there was no heart and hustle. You mentioned the fact that the uh, the Pelicans were diving on the ground for loose balls. They were, you know, just kind of being a little tougher on the rebounds and things like that. Those are things that you have to do. And the Blazers all season have been saying, oh, we're good. We got to be bad boys. We have to be this. No, the Blazers are choir boys. I forgot about that. Yeah. They're choir boys. And I mean, and that's okay. They're just a good little team. Uh, you know, the little engine that could, a couple of, you know, six foot guards. Yeah, they're, they're, they're good. But, the Blazers are not a great team, and you start to see after game one, it's like, okay, that that way to end the end the game, you know, especially after being down by, what was it, like 17 at a point yep. in that first game? 19, yeah. Not yet, so nah, second game, a little more effort, but no, still not good enough. Third game, man, bro, we just don't have it. Like, we're, we're good, don't really want to play. And then you mentioned they got to a point where their backs were against the wall and was like, okay, let's not completely show no heart. Let's go out there and... Show them that we're tougher. Uh, I'm going to trip you. Uh, I'm going to push you. How do you like that? Like, it just, and that's how they said it. I saw it they said it so insane. It, like, uh, it, it wasn't genuine. Uh, it was take just- that. <laughs> Bang, I got you. That's how I feel like they were out there doing. I, I was telling a couple guys yesterday, I was like, this is the, I was like, this is the formalities of being down 3 0 in a series and in game four. I was like, you have to show at least some sort of effort and that you care and don't want to get swept, but. Towards the end, like every probably team, just going to give up that game. Every team in the playoffs right now, or at least every team that's going to compete, has a guy that's their goon, like their dude that's going to go out there and either rev up the team or make sure they make that play on defense to get everybody back involved. Man, Draymond does it for the Warriors. Nene and um, and Trevor Ariza, they do it for the Rockets. Who's that guy for the Blazers? You know, typically it's Boogie, even from the bench, it's Boogie, and now it's Rondo and Drew Holiday, like for the Pelicans. Who 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 is that guy for the Blazers? Like Evan Turner? Is he though? No. And that's why I say yeah. it with a question mark at the end. Yeah, and then I, I guess I could I could see Evan Turner being that guy. And I guess it's Zach Collins now all of a sudden. I mean, oh, oh no. That's, that's the thing. I'm is- really afraid of Zach Collins. <laughs> Seriously. Look, it's this leads to the next point, and we'll we'll break and, and take it around the around the segment, next segment, words. Got you. Um <laughs> pushed you you're down it. on the ground. <laughs> Tag, you're it. Um is the roster's flawed. And two series against the Warriors hid that fact because you lost badly to the best team in the NBA possibly ever two years in a row. So you didn't say, oh, the roster sucks. You said, oh, the Warriors are really good. This year, it's an eye-opening sweep because you got swept by a team that you should not have been swept by. Now, look, we we did have a, a tweet come in that said, Three through eight was so close in games. Blazers could have been out of the playoffs in two games. Absolutely, you're right. These teams are all very close to each other. So let's not pretend like the, the Pelicans are the, the true six seed to the Blazers three, if you know what I mean. But losing to a team like New Orleans, who themselves are very flawed, and getting swept in embarrassing fashion should truly open your eyes, get rid of the rose-colored glasses, get rid of the Warriors' playoff losses, and say, this roster doesn't work. We'll talk about that next, but first, Joe at SportsCenter. Now, now, from the Allen Webb Sports Desk, a SportsCenter update on 1080 The Fan. This update brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. First on the fan, as mentioned, the Blazers' season, well, it is over after a 4-0 series sweep at the hands of the New Orleans Pelicans, but plenty of other NBA action. Four different playoff matchups today, all starting in a half hour at 10 o'clock. The first game is between the Celtics and Bucks. Celtics lead that series two games to one as the Bucks try to even things up today to a piece. Game four on ABC at 10 o'clock. Following that game at 12 30 
on ABC as well. The Warriors look to complete the series sweep against the Spurs. They'll be without their head coach, Greg Popovich. He didn't coach game three, will not coach tonight after the passing of his wife on Wednesday. At 3 o'clock on TNT, the Wizards, who won game three, they look to tie the series up with the Raptors, game four in D.C., again, at 3 o'clock on TNT. And LeBron James and the Cavaliers find themselves in quite a predicament. They're down 2-1 in the series to the Pacers. They're in Indianapolis trying to avoid going down 3-1 to the Pacers today. 5.30 tip-off on TNT. Let's look at some of the finals from Saturday's action. The 76ers take a stranglehold on the Heat. A 3-1 series lead now after winning 106-102. The Timberwolves avoid going down three games to none and beat the Rockets in convincing fashion. 121-105 in Minnesota, game four on Monday. And Ricky Rubio, he gets a triple-double as the Jazz take a 2-1 series lead after beating the Thunder 115-102. Game four on Monday as well. And in the MLB, we have our first no-hitter of the season. Shamanea of the Oakland A's goes nine innings strong, striking out ten batters, only walks two of them. And, of course, a no no hits for one of the hottest teams in baseball, the Boston Red Sox, as the Oakland A's win three to nothing. More sports scores and stories in 30 minutes. I'm Joe Fisher from the Allen Webb Sports Desk, the Allen Webb Auto Family. Value-driven, values-driven. They've been there. They know. Pro football veterans Cam Cleland and Big Souk on the home of the NFL. 1080, The Fan. Shout out to them people. Weekend sports with a, a difference. This Wait is Sports Sunday minute. with Mike and Rashad what? on 1080 The Fan. Wait. Wait a 9.33 on your Sunday morning. It is now the Blazers offseason. And uh, hey, at least the weather's nice so you can enjoy it. See, it was gonna be in the I mean, 80s. that's been it's gonna be in the eighties this week. Dude. So last week, game one was uh, I'm getting my hair cut and I look outside and it just started storming, and it didn't stop like for the whole day. And Should've I been said, a bad omen. That, and that's exactly what I said. That's a bad omen. <laughs> like I don't like the way that looks. It was a real aggressive rain too. Like so, like yesterday to to look outside at two o'clock and the game is on. I was kind of. Like why I'm conflicted. Like, this? man, why am I watching this game, man? I can be out somewhere enjoying my life right now. So that's the good thing. Now that the season's over, it looks like the weather is starting. No, it's – look. Good? Today, 65 sunny. It's supposed to be like 70 76 up. tomorrow, 82 Tuesday, 86 Wednesday. Yeah, bro. 82 Thursday. I'm at the river. Who's with me, baby? And then comes the rain again. A little bit. Who but wants, Who wants to go to the river Tuesday, you say? Is 80 what? Oh, 82. Wednesday yeah. is 86. What river are we talking about Let's here? Go to, we can go to Sandy. It's close. Clackamas. Clackamas, yeah. It's like, that's... if, if <sighs> Clackamas Not near the mouth of Willamette. Yeah. It's as far great, up as possible. Yeah, it's a great river to, like, float on. It's a little more aggressive. Yeah, it's a little cold. Sandy, I'm not floating nowhere. I just want to <laughs> be out there. It's just, just not cold. It's not float weather just yet, but... I, I don't know, mid-80s, there. it's pretty good float weather. It um, is, but, you know, it's got to be like... that mountain here. runoff water in the Clackamas. It's ice cold yeah, right now. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so, all right. Um, so, yeah, now that the weather's nice, it'll just help soothe your soul a little bit. But the roster's flawed. Here, this is this is the what we teased last segment. The roster is almost irreversibly broken, in my opinion, um, because of the bad contracts. Here... There's there's all sorts of problems. A, you have two small guards at the top of, at top at the top of the key. I can't speak today. Sorry, six foot three, six foot three. Damon, CJ, whatever they're listed as, they're short. 
compared to other NBA guards. Yes. And what you saw in the series was bigger, longer guards will always cause havoc for a backcourt that has two of the same type of guard. And, oh, yeah, the guys off the bench aren't big either in Shabazz and Pat Connaughton. Um, Drew Holiday and Rajon Rondo just took it to Damon CJ the whole series, and it, was, it wasn't it was even close. And you mentioned this in the break, but against big guards, Dame always struggles. Against guys who are long and athletic, he always struggles offensively just because he's smaller. Um, and he he does plenty to to still play well even with that disadvantage. But in this series, when they're doubling and tripling him, it was it was almost impossible. Mm-hmm. Beyond those two, you have absolutely no playmakers. None. You have a mishmash of pieces that don't consistently work together. You have Al Farouk Aminu, who is an elite defender. Elite defender. He is a spotty shooter who gets hot, and when he's not, he misses everything with one of the weirdest-looking shots I've ever seen. <laughs> and he can't dribble the basketball. Effectively, at least. When he dribbles, you hold your breath and you go, oh, God, please stop. Pass the ball. Pass the ball. Pass the ball. Yeah, 24-hour fitness. He has handles, but in the NBA, yeah. nah. Evan Turner can't shoot the three. Not as good defensively as I thought he was. Very, very effective on the inside. He's a great post-up play, um, but doesn't fit with this roster in the way that they wanted to play. They want to play spacing, shooting, passing offense. Evan Turner kind of bogs that down by being essentially a black hole because he demands the ball on the inside and then he can do what he wants. He's good on the second unit because, you know, that that's where you'll need that kind of a dominant play. Um, also with CJ, who I passed over in that sense, too much of a black hole for this kind of an offense, in my opinion. CJ is, I, I'll say, a lead offensive player. He can score from anywhere. He's got handles for days he's got crazy moves that he can get open shots with but he doesn't pass the ball and when he's not scoring what is he doing he's He's nothing nothing no defense no passing no cutting he just waits for for his opportunity to to go crazy so he's amazing offensively but he gives you nothing beyond that um and then inside you've got Yusuf Nurkic who is good has not fully realized his potential yet, but seems to be creeping closer to that. Still inconsistent. Has a really bad touch around the rim unless he's dunking the basketball. Uh, has an okay jump shot. He is a good defender, but he does get into foul trouble. Uh, you've got Ed Davis, who's solid um, and very. He's kind of. I guess he's kind of like the energy guy for the Blazers. We talked about that last segment. Like, who is that guy? It's probably Ed Davis. Um, and then you got Zach Collins, who looked good, too. So I guess the most promising thing about the roster is the inside players, they're good. They're good, solid players. You don't have anyone dominant, but you got good, solid players inside. Um, to me, it's that middle part that's the flawed part. Mo Harkless is, is very good, but he's also inconsistent. I think Mo Harkless is the best player you have outside of Damon CJ to do everything else. Yes. He's, a, he's an above-average defender. He's a, he's a passable shooter. He's a great cutter. And he he just runs with the team really, really well. Um, but he's really inconsistent. Like, he's a great energy guy, but he doesn't hit all of his shots. And he doesn't always play the best defense. So, it's it's again, it's a problem of inconsistencies. That's where the roster's flawed. You have expensive players that don't make any sense to a roster that has two undersized guards that in a series where they're getting doubled and triple teamed, they need to pass the ball. And you need to have shooters who can hit that shot when they're wide open because if there's one play, I think it was game two, near the end of the game, Blazers down by three or whatever it is. Damian Lillard, pick and roll, 
He got triple teamed into the paint. Anthony Davis was on him. Drew Holiday was on him. And I think Meritich was on him. And he had, obviously you can't go up for a layup with that because you're going to get smothered, especially with Davis on you. He had to try to pass the ball to the corner and he got, he got <clears throat> taken away, intercepted. And even when he found open guys, they weren't hitting shots. I guess for Aminu kind of was. He was he was hitting some threes. He was pretty good this series, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for them to actually start guarding him. They left him open the entirety of the series. And you can look at the Warriors as an example of a team that has this happen to their guard. Steph Curry gets doubled off of picks all the time. But Steph Curry has four guys on his team who hit threes consistently or to an elite level. So if he gets doubled, he just passes the ball. And eventually, Klay Thompson hits enough threes where he stops getting doubled, and then Steph can go off. You can't, you can't double him forever. The Blazers just don't have that, and that's why the roster's flawed. And that's the problem is the salaries because you can't just get rid of it and fix it. It's, it's a problem. The, the biggest issue with the Blazers for me is the fact that you have two starters on your team. That's it. I don't really think any one of these other dudes on this team is a, is a, is a starter. I think he's a legit I starter. Think I, think, I think Nurkic could be, but mind you, Nurkic for, what, two years was on the bench in Denver and not playing. You know, and and by a guy who's clearly right now, man. I mean, uh, what's, Jokic, Jokic, is, really Jokic is nice, and that's the reason he was on the bench. And he got here, Nurkic got here, and you were instantly like, okay, there are those flashes last year. And you say he's gotten better. I think it's, I think he's gotten a little worse than from what we were expecting from what we saw last year to the guy that you got this year who doesn't want to dunk the ball and doesn't really want to get contact like that, and just became more of a an internet meme after LeBron banged all over his face and then somebody else, Anthony Davis, dunked all over his face. It's like that's becoming his his role, you know, right now. It's kind of the kind of a punchline well, all of a sudden. And did you see after that dunk uh, Anthony Davis had on Yusuf Nurkic? Drew Holiday literally pointed at Yusuf and was, like, pointing at him, at him yeah. laughing at him, yeah. like, uh, going back to the whole bully <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, this is, like, the high school bully over here. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm, Zach Collins... He's improved. It looks like he might I, be. I like the Zach Collins pick now. I, there it didn't are, make sense at first. I'll be real. Didn't no, understand it, didn't. it. It. I, I understood it, but I didn't like it because there's so many great players. And as you see this year, there's a, a ton of really good rookies in the league. But I'm I'm not upset about that pick because he's improving and he shows something that a lot of these Blazers don't, and that's really good defense. And instantly, he's a good defender. He's straight up every time. And he actually, I don't know if you've noticed, in the, be in the beginning of when he started playing more frequently, about halfway, three-quarters of the way through the season, he was getting called for fouls on everything because they're like, oh, who's this rookie playing good defense? Mm -hmm. Did you notice those stopped? Yeah. Because the refs realized he was going straight up almost all the time because he's a great defender. And he can shoot. He needs to work on it a little bit, get more consistent hitting it, but he can shoot and... He can dribble drive. Yeah. I don't know if you remember his little up and under move in game two that he did when he got the ball at the three-point line. He he that little guard moves in him. So I like him. He's 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 good. I, I like that they got him and they're I'm excited to see him grow. No, it's and that's hopefully we don't have um kind of a Myers Leonard situation with Zach Collins. You know, we saw Myers Leonard come out his rookie year, and I'm not gonna say play well, but showed some flashes that okay, well, this kid could be a big part of what the Blazers do moving forward. Uh, that was six years ago, and he's still the exact same guy that he was his second year in the league, which is, um, I can't even call him a spot-up shooter. And honestly, 
he's not even the player he was his second year because that's no. when he had his little 50, 40, 90 year. Yeah. He shot 50 from the field, 40 from three, and 90 from the free throw. Granted, in very limited minutes, but, but still, that's what got everyone over their skis on Myers. But like, what you do wow, see, him. I agree, and that's that, that was one of those like, oh, wow, look at how good Myers can be. But this is what Myers always was. Myers was a really, really, really good three-point shooter, and he looked lost everywhere else. Right? Yeah. You remember him on defense? He never knew what assignment he had. He was always just kind of wandering in the middle of the team and just doing nothing. On offense, when he wasn't shooting threes, he was setting picks and then kind of wandering around not knowing what to do. It was He was looked like a deer in headlights. Yeah. Zach Collins has not had that look to me this year. Zach Collins knows where he's going. He knows on defense what he's doing. And even if he's not as good of a shooter as Myers is, and he's not, not yet at least, um, I, I just from the eye test, he's a better player. Yes. By far. Absolutely. Even, and I'm talking the eye test of Myers in those two years where we're like, oh, this guy could be pretty good. The eye test of Myers then to the eye test of Zach Collins now, Collins is better. And I think that's that's certainly exciting. Um, all right, so let's break. Coming up next, where do you want to place the blame? Neil O'Shea, Terry Stotts, Damian Lillard, all of the above. <laughs> Anyone else? Text your thoughts to the fan text line at 55305. You can also find us on Twitter at 1080 the fan at Mike Lynch27, at TaylorMade503, and at JoeFish3, F-I-S-C-H3. And uh, let us know, and we'll tell you where we stand on that next here on The Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Five forty-eight here. You can always tell that Jesse's not doing the the music today mm. or whatever day, man. as we call him affectionately on Wednesday nights. DJ Fish Sticks yeah. in the house. I don't know if I like that. Yeah, I'm not crazy about it. I prefer yeah. DJ OE because it spells my name literally. And I love OE. Yeah, who yeah. doesn't? Oh Look, does do you like OE? You don't get to choose your own nickname. Drink, drink it to the label and throw some orange juice in it. You don't get to choose your own nickname. Okay, you don't. You don't get to do that. You don't, it's like it's like Paul George saying he's playoff P. No, you're not. You don't get to do that. Well, we call Swaggy P, Swaggy P, and that's he made that name up. Did he? Yeah. Well, that's fine, but generally, you don't. You can't choose anybody, your own nickname. Does anybody even know what Swaggy P means? No. It means Swaggy Pimp. <laughs> pimp or Pip? Pimp. Okay. P I M P. All right, Nick Young. That's why I see what you're doing behind the scenes. Um. Yeah, it's DJ Fishsticks. Look, it's it's that's it's the nickname. It's what happened. Eh, okay. Still for debate. <laughs> um, so who to blame? Who do you blame if you want to blame anyone for the Blazers getting swept by the Pelicans? You have options. You could blame Terry Stotts, and there was a report from Mark Stein yesterday that said that many around the NBA think they might fire Terry Stotts, which I think would be a big mistake. You can blame Damian Lillard. A lot of fans are getting angry at Lillard for, for not being able to break through the double and triple teams. Uh, or you could blame Neil O'Shea, who built this roster. He built this city on, on rock, and roll. rock and roll, but not really, on spare parts. <laughs> it's exactly what uh, he built it on. Um, <laughs> you could blame CJ, <laughs> I suppose, for being a black hole. You could, you could blame many, many people. Um, for me, it's easy. And it's, it's O'Shea is who I, who, is who, who I would blame. And I'm not I'm not putting all of the blame on him. I don't think that's fair because he he built this roster and he made it the way it is. But he's also done many of good things for this team decision wise. Um, 
And even some of the players that he acquired were through good means. Like Mo Harkless, he got for a ham sandwich from the Magic. Shabazz Napier, he got for a ham sandwich from the Magic. Um, and, he made, and they turned out to be solid contributors, although Shabazz played like absolute garbage the last month of the season. Um, they, they were solid contributors for this team. He's had some good draft picks. But when you are already basically capped out and you give Alan Crabb and Evan Turner $75 million deals and you give Myers Leonard and Mo Harkless $40 million deals to put yourself in salary cap hell and three of those four players are not useful to you, that is, it is your fault that the team is in this situation because Mo Harkless turned out to be a great deal. He really did. And, and he showed how much of an X factor he is this year when he went down and what was missing. But Alan Crabb, you were lucky, lucky enough to get rid of that contract because the Nets are gigantic idiots, always. Um, well, they're the Nets, so. You know. Myers Leonard has done literally nothing since signing his deal. And Evan Turner just doesn't fit. Evan Turner is still a solid player. It's, he's maddening sometimes, but he's a solid player, but he just doesn't make any sense on this roster. So only one of those contracts was actually worth it. And because of that, you have no salary cap space to make any moves, whether you want to trade because that's the best way to get players in this team because, as you know, free agency in Portland is trash. Um, so you, you would have room to make trades, but you don't. You have no room. You have a mid a mid level trade exception. That's it. And to 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 that point, in my opinion, Neil O'Shea is at fault for where this team is right now, because they have no flexibility at all. It's really going to be really difficult to fix this. Nate, um, oh sorry, oh, no, please go ahead. I was going to say Nate Jones, who's uh, I believe he's the agent for Damian Lillard and a couple other players around the league. He retweeted Mark Stein's tweet last night, saying that Terry Stotts could be out for the ten straight losses, and he says. Uh, it's not Terry's fault they have the wing core they do or that they came out with came out of a loaded draft where they had three firsts with a 19-year-old who will eventually be good but timeline doesn't match up with their stars or that they have guys making eight figures per that camp play. So yeah, it's, he, wor- he works with Dame, so obviously there's a little bit, you know, maybe favoritism towards that, but that kind of sums it all up. Well, what, what sums it up to me in terms of not blaming Terry Stotts is look at what Terry Stotts was able to do with this mismatched roster. He got them to the playoffs five years in a row. And yes, they got they lost in the first round three of those times. But he got them there five times in a row. And he made this team something workable. So is he to blame? Mm. I mean, look, he yes. What bef- he got out coached by Alvin Gentry in the series. I would 100% agree with that if that is your argument. But is he to blame and ready to get fired because of this? I think, Come on now. I think there's been... And we've talked about this, and I think you guys have kind of come to the, the, the rescue of Terry Stotts, at least for me, is he's been out coaching a lot of games. Not just this series, but there are some times where you look at Stotts or the rotations or the fact that Yusuf Nurkic will, will be healthy and only play about 19 minutes. Like, games that you could have won if they had done this or if, you know, Stotts had made this, you know, adjustment or this wrinkle, then maybe you would have had a chance. I think in four games, it just became really evident that he didn't have an answer for anything. Like, at least sometimes, you know, when you're coaching, like, okay, well, there's nothing we can do about Anthony Davis. He's going to give us buckets. But Drew Holiday is not going to be able to go off on us. We have to be able to collapse. or We have to have somebody there for help or someone to meet him at the rim, someone to make it uncomfortable for him. 
what did you change? From literally, like playoff basketball is it's a chess match. It's not checkers. It's chess. They move, you move. They make a move to counter what you did. You move to counter what they do. That's what it is. And we never saw him counter. It's like he just kept well, moving the same pawn forward every single time. It's like, are you serious? They did counter, but they lost the counter early. I remember it was game three. They started playing Dame off the ball. Very beginning of the first quarter, they were playing Dame off the ball because they went, well, they're going to double team it on picks. We're not going to put them through pick and roll situations. And they did that for a little bit. But the problem is, is they're also denying him the ball. So he wasn't even getting it. He wasn't even receiving it. So they're like, okay, well, we got to have the ball in his hands. He's our best player. He's our only chance. And then it went back to the same old, same old. So I think you saw adjustments, but it didn't work because the Pelicans adjusted right on back. That's why I say Alvin Gentry outcoached the bleep out of Terry Stotts in this series. And it, wasn't, it wasn't even close. But um, I don't think that should be a cause of, of being fired. And I also don't think that's to blame because – even with that, if I can go a little glass half full for you here, is the Blazers had a chance and should have won the first two games if they played without losing themselves in the last minute. Yeah. Um, and he did that with this, what we just discussed, weird roster of mishmash of parts that doesn't make any sense. And I think that deserves some credit too. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not, I, I am not giving the blame to Terry Stotts for this. It, he deserves some blame, but I'm not placing the blame a, on him. As we've kind of said, man, I, a lot had to happen for the Blazers to end up as a three seed. You know, there were a lot of things that kind of played into the season to make that happen. Chris Paul leaving the Clippers and going to the Rockets to make them uh, what looked like the strongest team in the West all year. That happened. Jimmy Buckets going down for, you know, a month and a half, two months. You hurt the, the uh, Timberwolves, who were in the third seed at that point, they were set there at three. You know, I, I think the the Pelicans were in the playoffs, but you know, once Boogie went down, it was, you know, like you said, they were in, able to kind of put it together. Kawhi hadn't played for San Antonio all year, and at a point, San Antonio was clinging on to that fourth spot too. And then Pau Gasol went down for a little bit, and so things were just injuries. And mind you, there's no Blazer fan that's ever going to, you know, feel bad about another team and their injuries. So let's go ahead and say that, but. Injuries did play a big part in why the Blazers were able to come in and steal that three seed. And then, man, that 13-game win streak that they had, really impressive. Whenever you win that many games in a row, I'll never take anything away from them. But it's important to look at the fact that, like Jesse mentioned once before, man, six of those wins came against teams that aren't even in the playoffs. And the other, you know, a lot of the other ones came against injured top Injured teams. So, yes, they got 13 games in a row, but all, all win streaks aren't created created equal. I know? But, so, look, I— I find it really hard to just poo-poo the win streak because of those factors. You play who's in front of you. You play your schedule. Winning 13 in a row is a, a it's great impressive. feat. It's impressive. It's super impressive. And I don't want to take away from that, but it also blinded Blazer fans a bit. Absolutely. They went, oh, this is us now. And they kind of – and us incl I, I'm included in this. Us included. Uh, they kind of just conveniently forgot about the the first – 50 games of the season and then kind of excused the last 10 or 12 where they were struggling again just because of that 13 game win streak it was it was a blinder and i get it i fell for it too don't worry but i i we we use that as a oh this is this team it's not yeah. 13 games of an 82 game season that's not the team that's part of the team. They have that in them, but that's not the team. And if we remember, you know, really a week before that 13-game win streak or two weeks before, right before the All-Star break, man, it was blowed up. 
It's not working right now. Dame is carrying the team. Get rid of CJ. He met with Paul Allen. Yeah, he, he went. To, he had a private meeting with Paul Allen. And I think said, it was like specifically after they got blown out by the Jazz right before the All Star game. It yeah, was really so, bad. Yeah, everything was was going bad. But then the 13 game win streak happened. It was all oh, going to the championship. Going to the Western Conference Finals. Word. Like okay, well we're gonna conveniently forget, like Lynch said, about the previous 50 games that we saw. I think the Blazers are like I said that. The last stretch of the season that were the, with the losing, that's closer to the team that we know and should have expected than that 13-game win streak team. The uh, the one thing I threw in there that we haven't talked about, we have to break, but don't blame Damian Lillard. Don't do it. Damian Lillard's the, the best player on your team by far. He is a borderline superstar, and the Pelicans' entire game plan was to take him out of the game. By any means necessary. That meant doubling. That meant triple team. That meant denying him the ball. And that meant not even letting him get into the lane. Now, I, I do wish that he had found the ability to take over a little bit more because superstars will do that. But I will not place the blame on him because the Pelicans' entire game plan was to say, Blazers can't beat us if Dame can't beat us. And they just threw everybody at him. And the rest of the Blazers couldn't make him pay. They missed shots. The whole series, they missed shots. Uh and I, that's why I don't want to blame Lillard for it because it's even with getting double and triple teamed, he was still getting twenty points and trying his best and trying to get it, get the team to the win. But it just it wasn't wasn't in the cards. It it I don't want to feel like I'm being hard on Dame because he's the leader of this team. He's been the reason that the Blazers are even halfway relevant. You know some of the things he's been able to do this year, and he's worthy of that third fourth. Uh, place uh, MVP vote that he's going to get because he's he balled out this season. But as a superstar, man, as the superstar, because we talked about this, I think it was last week, like we're over, is Damon all-star? Is he going to be an all-star? That conversation is over. Yep. Damian Lillard. He put himself at another level this year. Yes, he, he absolutely did. And just in the playoffs is really where stars make their name. Astro Holiday, this is this he's he's becoming he's going to be a household name next year because of what he was able to do in these playoffs this year. I think it's easy to forget what Dame did in the playoffs. Yeah, so let's not pretend like he, he has no, not been an elite. No, of course player. not. Because he was, man, you look at that uh, series he had against Houston, he averaged, I think it was 25, 26 points. And then, oh, yeah, had the, the game winning dagger. Played great against the Warriors go. both years, too. So Dame has definitely done his thing. But, you know, you want your superstar to come through. You need him to come through every single game for you. And just Dame wasn't able to give you one of those signature games. Maybe that's the next step in his progression is. If the the game plan is to try to take you out of the game, maybe he's got to find something in his game or something in himself to be able to still be a, to have an impact. Um, maybe that maybe it's hard harder for him because he's a smaller guard. You know, maybe that's going to be more difficult just because of his his size. But maybe that's the next level of progression to become a true superstar is to say no matter what they're doing, I'm still going to get mine. And uh, we didn't fully see that this uh, this week. All right. Coming up next, we're going to see if we get the audio from uh, Blazers Clean Out Your Locker Day. It should be getting underway here momentarily. If we do, we'll play some of that for you. If not, I do want to get to what's next. What is the way to fix this roster? And what do you guys want to see? Text the fan text line at 55305. Don't worry, we've seen your text. We've, we've been reading them. Um, text the fan text line what you want them to do moving forward. And uh, we'll try to talk about that next. Or we'll have audio for you. This is Sports Sunday on the fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.